Amen. With our copy of God's Word open this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we begin in verse 42. The former three-term mayor of New York, the only three-term mayor of New York in that city's illustrious history, Michael Bloomberg, was interviewed after he got out of office about what he planned to do next. He was just about to go to the 50th anniversary of his college graduation, and he found that it was difficult for him to attend because he was facing the reality of his own mortality. He admitted that he struggled reading in the obituary of classmates who had gone on. The conversation turned to mortality. What is the legacy that you're living? What is the legacy that you're leaving? And then they asked him, what will happen once you stand in front of the doors? And here's what he gave as his answer when he would stand on Judgment Day. He said, pointing to his work on gun safety, obesity, And smoking cessation, he said with a grin, I am telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. The Apostle Paul had a different take on the afterlife. Disrespected, mocked, beaten, shamed, left for dead. He said, at my first defense, no one stood with me. But then he said, but the Lord stood with me. Here's what you have to decide in a world that is constantly shifting under the weight of ideas that are really based not on rationality, but on intuition and emotions, not on logic and reason and truth, but how I feel on any given day. Here's what you have to determine. You have to determine in your heart and in your mind, along with everyone else who has ever lived since it happened, did Jesus Christ get out of that grave? That's really the answer. It's not, did Jonah get swallowed by a whale? It's not, did God create the earth in six days? It's not, were the feeding of the 5,000 fed? It's not, was the water turned into wine or into Welch's if you're a Baptist? It ain't none of those questions. Did Jesus get out of the grave? Because if he did not, he says, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. Nothing else matters. But if he did get out of the grave then celebrate with everything you have because life is worth living if Jesus Christ is alive today. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and beginning in verse 42 together this morning. Paul's referring to the resurrection of the dead. Now remember, there were two primarily religious groups that he was adhering to. One were the Sadducees, who were sort of the legalists of the day. They knew the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. But here he addresses not the Pharisees, but the Sadducees, who did not believe in a resurrection of the dead. And the apostle writes to the Corinthians to say, This is off base. And here's what he says, beginning in verse 42 of chapter 15. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual 
natural that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also shall bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit the perishable. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all be sleeping, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, perishable body must put on the incorruptible, imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So when the perishable has put on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do you ever wonder... How it is that you can keep going in a world where you are just hit constantly, bombarded with advertising, hit with things that are out of your control, family members going on, friends forsaking you, jobs coming and going, the uncertainty of the world in which we live. How do you get through all that? How do you know what is true and what is not true? By remaining in the resurrection, by remembering the resurrection, that Jesus Christ died in our place and on our behalf. You know, there's no other religion or no other faith that places such paramount importance on just one event. You can knock out other faiths and their tenets of their faiths and everything will still go on, at least in their minds and in their persuasions, you knock out the resurrection out of Christianity, it is the stack of cards that lowers the whole deck. If there is no resurrection, there is nothing at all that Jesus died in our place and on our behalf. And not just that he arose, but that he was seen by over 500 people. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus could have appeared to far more people if he had wanted to, but he didn't do that. It's what he says to Thomas, who says, unless, Lord, I see the imprints in your hands and in your side, I'll not believe. Jesus shows up the next Sunday night. Thomas, you have seen and believed. But blessed are those far greater who have not seen and still believed. See, you can't see God with your eyes until you first see him with your heart. And when Jesus begins to get a hold of us, he changes us from the inside out. One pastor said it this way, you can believe that faith in Jesus is unnecessary or you can believe that salvation is by grace through faith, but you can't believe both. Either Jesus is one among many or he is the one and only. Either Jesus is nothing at all or he is above all. But you can't have him halfway. 
People say, well, I like the teachings and the philosophies of Jesus. Have you read the teaching and the philosophies of Jesus? He's pretty straight cut about who he is. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And that paramount I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die jesus had a pretty good idea of who he was and so must we the apostle says even earlier on in this chapter he says you are being saved now he uses the present tense a lot of times what we will make salvation into is this one-time prayer or altar call when the bible says it's actually not just something that you believed back then it's something that you believe right now, that I have been saved from my sin, that I'm being saved in the present. God is making me into a new image, and that one day he will put me fully where I am to be with him in the new heaven and the new earth. This is how it happens. Verse 8, he says, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, God makes no mistakes with timing, but Paul says it was almost that way because one day he's walking down the Damascus Road persecuting Jesus, and the very next day he's serving him that when the Spirit of God gets a hold of your life, you will never be the same. In verse 9, I am the least of the apostles. And then in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. We need to remember the resurrection, but there's something else he reminds us in this passage. We're to realize the resurrection, just how important it is. In verse 12, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Look at it in movies. Look at it in education systems. Look at it in popular culture of today, teaching you live it up right now because this is all there is. I remember seeing at WKU in the history department a sign that said, life is not a dress rehearsal. I understood what that meant to do everything that you could in the time that you had, but I thought, you know, in light of Scripture, that's not actually true. Life is a dress rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal for the biggest stage you will ever stand on in all existence, the stage of eternity. And what you do right now matters then. What about those who have fallen asleep in Christ? He says they've perished. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, you're still in your sins. It's no good to confess your sins if your Savior doesn't hear those sins. Remember going to, to Burma and Thailand and other great nations of the earth on mission trips. Been with Brother Robert before. and Going to those great statues where people would journey for miles, sometimes on their hands and knees because they couldn't walk, praying to these statues for healing for their families, walking around the back of the statues, and seeing nothing there. That's where the psalmist says, you trust in these idols who can't even speak. You trust in these idols who can't move. That's what it is to believe in Jesus if he is not alive. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most miserable. Some people say, well, faith is a crutch for me to live. If faith is just a crutch for living, what a sad excuse for being alive. In fact, that's not what it is at all. In verse 21, as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. Verse 
verse 22, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. And then in Romans 5, just as many one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Where Adam failed, and you and I fail, and everybody else fails, Jesus succeeds. And here's why, in verse 25 of this chapter, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That's what Jesus does. He puts the enemies under his feet. Now, isn't this the promise that he had made from the very beginning that he's going to crush the serpent's head? He said he would do such a thing. I've never crushed a serpent's head. I've run over one with a lawnmower before. Tried to. But the serpent bruises his heel. Jesus dies to crush the head. And the very last enemy to be destroyed is death in verse 26. Remember this if you don't remember anything else. Your enemy is not really human beings. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual authorities in high places. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death reigns from Adam to Moses until now. Death has reigned. But then he says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And by the way, a God who can raise his son from the dead can do pretty much anything else he wants to do too. Jesus has the power to get up out of the grave, but he doesn't have the power to pay my light bill. It really depends on what we believe about the resurrection. To remember the resurrection, to remain in the resurrection. In fact, the apostle will say in verse 32, I die daily. He says, I fought beasts at Ephesus. I fought against them, humanly speaking. You think you had a bad day. He's saying, if the dead are not raised, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. I'm doing all of this for a purpose. A number of years ago, arguably the greatest hitter who ever lived, Ted Williams played for the Boston Red Sox, World War II veteran, one of the highest batting averages in Major League Baseball history, was frozen after his death cryogenically where his body remains. If you look it up, it's not a cheap procedure. It's quite expensive actually. And the family hopes that when the technology comes together that Ted will be unfrozen and infused once again with a living body that he once had. The apostle says, you got to understand something about this, not just to remember the resurrection, not just to realize the resurrection, but to remain in the resurrection. Ted Williams' family and friends suffer from bad theology, and so do the Corinthians. But Paul says, rather than trying to separate the body and the soul, which is what the world wants to do, he says they're actually linked. You can't tie them apart. So in verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Just as we born that image of the man of dust, that image of Adam, so also shall we bear the image of the man of heaven, Christ himself. You know, I want you to think about this. Christians have always been a future-oriented people. Now, we look back to what Jesus did. We look back to the memories that we've had in the past, but the greatest days are to come. One well-known pastor wrote a book that said, your best life is now. You can live your best life now. 
Hey, I'm here to tell you, if this life is your best life now, you're not going to like where you're going to be in eternity. (laughs) Because the Scripture says the best is yet to come for those who believe in Jesus. And he says this: their religion was more about health and safety than about a notion of the afterlife. We've been impacted by our culture, but here he says that tradition had it that at the center of the city of Corinth stood this huge monument to Julius Caesar and to his family surrounded by statues and a temple. But Paul doesn't talk about the coming of Caesar. He talks about the coming of Christ. And unlike the Pax Romana, which was a a temporary peace, Jesus Christ is himself the Prince of Peace. And he says right now we're in that already but not yet. It's already happened but we're waiting for Jesus to make all things new. And unlike Mayor Bloomberg, when that judgment day comes, he who bore our sins is alive, and the case has been dismissed, and it's not even close. Friends, we don't know a whole lot of things in this life. I often don't have answers to a lot of things I would like to share with people. I just tell them what I do know, and I do know this. We know this. We know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We know that if our earthly tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, house not made with hands, established in the heavens. I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor things perishable, nor things imperishable, nor power, nor corruption, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why Paul will say, beloved brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. This corruptible will put on in corruption this mortal shall i put on immortality then shall be brought to pass that saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is thy sting O grave where is thy victory but thanks be to god that sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ brothers and sisters we have more reason to rejoice than we have ever had death may one day have our bodies it will not have our souls Death may have this life, but there is a life coming when we will rule and reign with Christ. And death may take this temple, but there is a day coming when we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. And until then, remember, remain, realize the resurrection. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'll ask our musicians to come. Thank you so much for your patience today. What an honor it is to have you with us. If you're our guest, watching by live stream, we're just so thrilled that you've come. What a blessing to have you. I would hate to end this service without giving an opportunity for someone here who hasn't made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today because a family member or a friend invited you, and what a wonderful reason that is to come. We're so thankful that you've come. The Bible talks about not forsaking ourselves together, the assembly of the Lord. So if you're here today, what a a great start that you have made in seeking to do that. But dear friend, the whole reason that we celebrate this Easter day, the whole reason 
that believers all across the world, whether in sickness or in health, whether in freedom or in persecution, are crying out to God on this day is because we know it's real. How thankful we are that Jesus Christ has gotten out of the grave. If you don't know him, you can come to trust him today. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, I pray right now that as you have our hearts, you have our lives, that you would remind us of the great truth of God's word, that those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him, that you have sent Jesus Christ himself, the resurrection and the life, that whoever believes in him, though we were dead, yet shall we live, and whoever believes shall never die. Father, help us to wait on you. Use this church to reach many, to raise up, to send out those who are all in for Christ. We ask it in the name of Jesus and for his sake.